episode five of Cycle Talk SA, your weekly podcast that's focused specifically on the South African road cycling scene. My name's Brad Brown. Thank you for listening to and downloading this podcast. It's good to have you on board. Coming up on today's show, I am super, super, super proud of our first guest. I think he has done amazing things. He's worked really hard. And uh, as they say, all good things come to those who wait and put in the hard work. And it's an absolute pleasure to have on the show this week, Lutando Kaka, who uh, is a professional cyclist here in South Africa. He rides for Team Bonitas, and they've gone and made a massive announcement this week. Today, in fact, uh, this podcast is going out on Wednesday, the 14th of August. And that announcement has just been made that Lutando is uh, the captain. The new captain of the Bonitas cycling team. And I think it's huge in the greater scheme of things when it comes to South, uh, South African cycling because he's the first black South African to be made captain of a professional cycling team. And if you look at what's happened at the Tour de France with Daryl Impey doing fantastically well and flying the South African flag and Chris Froome with his South African connections winning the race, that's going to do great things for cycling in South Africa. But I can tell you the appointment of Lutando Kaka as the team captain of Bonitas is just going to do amazing things. And if not more than what those two gentlemen have done in the Tour de France, Lutando will do for cycling in South Africa. I think it's a great thing. I think it's progressive from Bonitas. I want to congratulate them. I think it is superb. And I've got an unbelievable interview with Lutando on the show uh, this week. Inspirational is probably the word uh, to describe it. What a nice guy and so well-deserved as well. Speaking of Chris Froome as well, uh, I did an interview with Professor Tim Noakes for one of our other podcasts, Run Talk SA. Uh, Tim Noakes has obviously been in the the news for his low-carb, high-fat diet. And I asked him this week an interesting question about Chris Froome and his diet. So I'll put that snippet up on the show as well. Uh, You can listen to that uh, on this week's episode. And then also coming up on the show, I touch base with a a former colleague of mine, Gavin Daisel from uh, the Breakfast Express on 94.7 Highfelt Stereo. Uh, He's part of their breakfast team, and he's going to be riding the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge. He's taken on the challenge of a bit of a body transformation. Gav's decided he's let himself go a bit and wants to lose some weight, and uh, he's sort of just doing it in the public eye. I think it's also very commendable. So that's coming up on this week's show. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can pop me an email. It is podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. You can also follow us on Twitter at cycletalksa or like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash cycletalksa. That's how you can get in touch with us on the social media networks. But uh, without any further ado, let's get straight into our first interview this week. Well, the South African cycling scene uh, has seen some big news uh, this week, and I'm very, very excited to announce it here on Cycle Talk SA. Uh, One of the first people to announce the news, very, very chuffed, and it's brilliant to have him on the show. And uh, yeah, I just want to welcome him on. Uh, Lutando Kaka, welcome on to Cycle Talk SA. You are a professional cyclist with Bonnie Tass. Uh, yes. You and and also the announcement's been made today. Uh, it's it's a historic moment for cycling in South Africa. You've become the first black team captain. How how does that feel? I mean, it's it's just amazing that you've come through the the, the development ranks and and uh, now you're heading up a, a professional cycling team in South Africa. Well, uh, 
thanks a lot, Brad. Thanks for the opportunity. I must say, I'm still very much uh, in shock and uh, also very happy. And I was also quite surprised, I must say. But uh, I guess it's basically true hard work and uh, the belief that Malcolm has in me and has had in me for the past four, four years since he actually signed me on to Team Bonitas. And it's basically just been a number of things that has actually happened three in the team. I started the team about four years ago and back then I was the second youngest guy in the team and now four years later I'm the team captain and I must say I'm the second uh, uh, oldest guy in the team and with more experience and I could say that I mean having learned from Malcolm Lange Nick White uh, Neil McDonald and, and those guys I've, I've, I've managed through the years to actually get some valued uh some valued experience on the back which I can actually pass on to the younger guys, the younger talented guys that we actually currently have in the team. So yes, I'm very much over the moon. I'm very happy. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank Team Bonitas for actually giving me the honor of uh, being the team captain. Yeah, Lutando, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Malcolm Langer and a, and a guy like like Nick White. I mean, Malcolm is a, is a stalwart. I mean, uh, if you if you think of cycling over the years, he's won so many races. Nick White, exactly the same. How much yes. how much of of the, their experience? I mean, they've taken you under their wing and and helped you along over the last four years. How much has that experience helped you in your career? I mean, uh, having been uh, around those guys, I mean, race winners and guys who are very much passionate of, about the sport and who are guys who are actually very good team players, uh, I've learned a very good work ethic in terms of actually putting a team together, a team of very talented guys, and actually make them work as a unit towards actually achieving one goal and one purpose, which is to actually be the best team that you could actually have in South Africa, and which is all about race winning. So it's basically a lot about keeping the team together because myself I've always been a team domestic for for, for the likes of Malcolm Langer, the likes of Aaron Brown, uh, the likes of Nick uh, Nick White. So it's basically about knowing what is needed for those guys to actually perform at their best and that is to win races. So my part in the team now would be basically to make sure that the team does gel and the team does actually perform at its actual at its peak and at, at its best and that is actually by winning races and becoming a dominant first that it's actually known for in the South African racing scene. Yeah, Latana, you, you mentioned that, that you were a domestique for, for those sort of guys. And a lot of people who, who aren't in cycling circles don't realize that cycling is a very big sport, uh, a big team sport. And, and yes. the domestiques play a very important role in ensuring that the team wins. They do all the hard work to set up that, that the team leader can, can perform when they need to perform. And having played that role, now you in, in, in that position, I mean, you know what it's like. And, and, and you, you obviously have a team around you that, that are, are willing and able to support you, I'm guessing. Now, I mean, one thing that you actually did mention is that, I mean, cycling is a very, is a, is a big, is a big team, team sport. And it, it, it is very much is because you find that also like sprinters, I mean, they tend to, they, they may be the fastest guys, but they also tend to be very selfish. They always think about themselves. And, uh, in a team, you also need someone who makes sure that that attitude does not reflect negatively on the team and that everyone else works for those guys knowing very, very well that those are the guys that can actually get the result for the team. So you always have to work around those team dynamics to make sure that 
all those different attitudes and all those different talents are able to gel together towards actually one common purpose. So having worked with the guys that I actually have just mentioned to you, it has also put me in a position whereby to know which or what type of attitude works best and what type of talent works best when you actually give certain support to that very talented person. So I'll be actually coming into into that role and filling that role and making sure that we do perform. And uh, as you said, I mean, those guys have achieved huge things in the in South African cycling scene. And it will be a, a huge ask for us to actually uh, match them, but we will definitely try to actually uh, keep on that winning streak and actually keep on that, that very much passionate and very... Uh, very uh, race-winning like formula. Brilliant, Latani. You mentioned that when you when you joined the team, you you were the youngest. You now the second oldest. Four years later, I mean, you're only 27 years old. But yes. your your career didn't start with with Bonnie Tass. You 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 basically have come through the ranks. Tell me a little bit about growing up. Where, where did you grow up, and how did you first get into cycling? Uh, well, uh, my story is actually quite a long one, but I'll actually try to to be as short as possible. I, I grew up. Uh, I was born in Cape Town, and uh, I pretty much grew up in, in in the Eastern Cape. I stayed there for three years with my with my grandparents uh, between the ages of five and eight, where I actually did a bit of cattle heading, because you find out that most uh, black guys actually do go on to to the Eastern Cape and do some cattle heading. And then afterwards, as they I moved over to Cape Town with my parents, who was a single mother, uh, and then uh, who later. I married uh, uh, my, 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 my father and then uh, since then uh, I joined up with Velokaya at the age of 17 which was actually the later years of my high school and uh, those guys helped me financially and they helped me on and off the bike and I mean cycling is a very expensive uh, sport so having those guys to actually support me and make sure that they, they give me the foundation that I, I would need to make sure that I can actually work my way into a team like, uh, like uh, Bonitas but since joining them they also made sure that that I would go to Europe and I rode for Gruden Master and uh, Horsens and I rode for them for two years in Denmark. And uh, after that, um, that term, I actually came back and I managed to actually impress Malcolm and he signed me on to his team, which was back then Team Met Scheme. And I mean, since then, I've never looked back, uh, I've never looked back and uh, as they say, yeah, the rest is history. So I've basically been in the team for four years and yeah, I started off as as, as I said, the second youngest, and now I'm like 27, and I could say, yeah, the second oldest. But I mean, <laughs> things have, have definitely happened so fast. But I, I don't think at all I'm actually old. I actually think that things have just happened so fast and so quickly. But and and only for the best, I guess. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, at 27, you're still a youngster, and you still got many years in you, I'm sure. Yeah, but let, let me let me much. ask you a little bit about Velokaya, the the Life Cycling Academy. They they, they were based in Kaya you said yes. that they gave you a break when you were 17. How important was that in, in your development at the time? I mean, for me, it it, it was the base, the foundation that I needed. I mean, without them, I wouldn't be where I am. And without them, I wouldn't have even uh, ventured into the sport. I mean, uh, cycling is very expensive, as I did mention. And uh, to ask anyone like from from the township or someone with my background, to 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 come up with the bike or equipment that runs in two thousand that would be kind of like impossible. So those guys made sure that they they there weren't any financial boundaries when it actually came to my cycling by actually giving me bikes, giving me the help I need, the equipment that I need, the nutrition that 
that I need on and off the bike. And uh, they helped me and they, they made sure that I did not neglect school as well because you find that in, in most sports and in South Africa as well and looking at, at our soccer, guys go into go into sports and basically just neglect uh, schooling. So they made sure that I do finish my metric and I do have a, a, a university education and those things. So those are the things that they actually look at to make sure that a person or a cyclist or a, a sports person has the, the, the foundation and all the building blocks towards becoming a better person on and off the bike and on and off the field in any other sport. So hence they still exist and hence I've also since joined their board and uh, I'm now on their board to actually make sure that the, the opportunities still exist for young and upcoming guys from townships who are very much passionate about sport, who are very talented and hardworking to make sure that we've got a platform to give them and make sure that we help them excel in whichever sport they choose to, 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 to venture into. Tanda, I think that's amazing. I mean, you've come through the ranks and now you're on the board and, and you're giving something back to, to a sport and to other sports that is, that's given you so much. I think that's really commendable and, and, and congratulations on that. I think that's superb. But one thing that, that I also love that you mentioned is that a lot of kids yeah. see sport as a way to, to sort of get them a better life, but they also, like you said, yeah. neglect their schoolwork. And, and yes. as a professional sportsman, I'm sure you're acutely aware of this, that you're never going to be at the top of your game forever. There's going to be a time after your cycling okay. career that you're going to have to worry about what are you going to do then. And that's yeah, when that no, education exactly. is so important. And, and I think what you guys are doing is brilliant. Well done. No, thanks, thanks a lot and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Lutano, I also wanted to ask you about that, that two-year stint that you had in, in Denmark. Uh, you yes. mentioned that you came back and, and your cycling impressed Malcolm. How important was that little little two years in Europe uh, to your cycling career? And is Europe somewhere where you'd like to go back and race? Uh, I think I'm in mean, Europe and I mean a taste of, of, I could say, the big league is a must for anyone. And I mean, it's it's very good for any uh, sports person's development to actually go in there, see what it's all about and see what is the difference or what's the next level to work to or to work towards or to aspire to. So for me, it was also an eye-opener to actually see how Europeans do things and to see the the gap, if there is any, between South Africa and Europe. And I was very much inspired when I actually went to Europe. And I rode for that team and I rode big races like the Tour of Denmark. But unfortunately, I never actually made the next level, which was actually Pro Tour level. And at that time, I had Balo World. And then I had looked into actually working my way towards that South African team. But it actually went under. So when I did come back, I came back with that experience from racing in Europe. But also I came back and I got into a team which was actually filled with knowledge with the likes of Malcolm, who himself has been to Europe, and Nick White. So it pretty much was a, a good thing for me to actually go there. And I mean, I don't regret a, even spending a single month over there. And I mean, if an opportunity comes from any for anyone who wants to go that level, I mean, they, I think they should actually grab, uh, grab it by both hands. But also, they should also, I think South African cycling scene is very healthy. It's growing and it's getting bigger. And uh, we've got bigger teams here in SA. So it's always good to actually have yeah. a very good head. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly it. You, you mentioned the South African cycling scene growing and, and just getting really strong. How much has, I mean, th- let's take this last Tour de France as an example. How much has Daryl Impey's performance, uh, winning, winning a stage in the team time trial with, with Team Orica Green Edge, being in yellow for, for a couple of mm. stages, and then someone like Chris Froome, who has got strong South African connections, yes. he, he rode his early years here in South Africa. Mm. How much belief has that put into the South African professional cycling scene to, to young riders and guys like yourself that go, you know what, if we work hard, we can achieve at the highest level? I mean, it's, it's done wonders. I mean, it's done wonders for South African scene. It's done wonders for South Africa as a country and cycling in general. And I mean, it has inspired even us. I mean, we rode with, I rode with Daryl, Daryl Impey when I was based in Gruded Master and I rode uh, a couple of tours while he was overseas with Balowell. And I've also rode with Chris Froome when he was here in South Africa. So it actually also brings that, that, uh, that, that big dream towards, it makes it much more alive, that big dream of young South African cyclists wanting to make it overseas that there's not a problem starting at home starting here in South Africa because those guys both of them MP and and, and, and Froome had a huge number of years riding here in South Africa and it was actually a huge stepping stone from them to actually make the jump to actually to to to, to Europe so it has made it's, it's, it's only been just for the best and I mean I, I'm out of words when I actually have to speak about those guys because what they've done is amazing it's a huge feat uh, wearing the yellow jersey for with for Daryl MP and also for Foom actually winning the tour overall. So I mean, I, I can't explain it. It's, it's a big thing. It's, it's a big thing for 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 South African cycling. It's a big thing for for cycling as a sport in general. And I hope it can only grow the numbers and have more people on the road and also have uh, have at least more tourists respect as a cyclist and give us the space that we actually do deserve on the road mm. towards better and safer cycling. I guess. Yeah. Tando, you mentioned how big that is for, for cycling in South Africa. I mentioned it at the start of this interview uh, that you're, yeah. the, you're the first black team captain for a professional cycling team. And I want to emphasize that because for me, that is huge because cycling traditionally has been a very elitist sport. You mentioned that the barriers to entry, it's not a cheap sport to do. How, yeah. how much do you think you being the first black team captain is going to mean to the sport where, where maybe there's, there's kids growing up in townships mm. like Kayalicha, maybe in Soweto yeah. or in Alex uh, that, mm, that yes. are, are maybe listening to this and, and they see you leading a professional cycling team and they go, you know what, one day when I'm big, I want to do that. Yeah. Now I can only say that and I hope this actually uh, it gets them to see that anything is possible. I mean, uh, whether you come from Alex, as you did mention, or Soweto, your background doesn't necessarily have to, to define where you're going to go in life. I mean, anything is possible as long as you work hard at it and be passionate and do it to the best of your abilities. Anything is possible. And I hope that other teams as well can actually look into those townships, invest more in, into development, and actually getting those guys, giving those guys an opportunity to actually come into the sport. But but also, I mean, color can only take you so far. At the end of the day, everyone has to do their part. You have to work hard like anyone else. And you actually have to believe in your capabilities. And I'm sure with very good foundation like the organizations from Velokaya and also with very good teams like Team Bonitas and good leaders like Malcolm Lange, I mean, the sport can only move forward.
but I must also give it up for Malcolm. I mean, he took me in four years ago when I actually needed a, a home or a new team to actually go into. And it was not only about just having a black rider into the team. He had a vision for me to, to one day fill this position that is actually allocated to me right now. So I'd like to thank him from the bottom of my heart for actually believing in me and hopefully that he can give and hopefully that he can give those opportunities to other deserving guys and actually everyone can actually get that chance that I actually got myself. And, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well, Lutando. It's, it's, it boils down to hard work. And if, if you've paid your dues like you have, you're a great rider. You've, you've worked your way through and you've worked really hard for this. And it's, it's got nothing to do with because you're black. It's got everything to do with because you're a great cyclist. So I'm, I'm unbelievably proud of what, what you've achieved. Before I let you go, though, tell me a little bit about the team that you've got around you, Team Bonitas, some of the riders. Who can we look out for? Who do you reckon are, yeah. are big names to win, win races this season? I mean, yeah, uh, my team, uh, it's, it's a very talented team and it's a very young team. Uh, that, uh, you must know, uh, for instance, we have, uh, uh Christopher Nieden. He is a former SA champion. He's a very good sprinter and he recently just won a tour, a stage at the recent uh, Clover tour. So he's one guy to actually look out for towards the later part of the year as we hit the classics. And we will also have Eman Foshia who's just, uh, uh, making his way back from Europe because he was actually there for I think about two months with our FITA team in Europe so he's coming uh, over now to make sure that he gives us that sprinting power and Eman is also the the, um, the current what you call uh, Cape Agas champion and we also have guys like uh, very talented and very powerful guys like uh, uh, Eman uh, I mean H.P. Kruger uh, guys like James Fourier uh, who are very good climbers and over all-rounder guys and we also have Clint Hendricks who also is a very fast guy and uh, someone who's also going to uh, be up there come end of the season. And not to forget, I mean, we have Vili uh, Smith, a very young guy from uh, Leidenberg, and he's uh, also very quick. And uh, those are very much the guys that we actually have to look out for towards the uh, later part of the year and towards the, 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 and, uh, towards the future, I guess. Lieutenant Kaka, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I want to wish you all the best in your new role uh, as captain of Team Bonitas. Uh, I hope you have a superb season and may your career go from strength to strength. Well done, my friend. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully, uh, hope we hope to make our, our team fans very proud. Well, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. I caught up with Professor Tim Noakes for one of our sister podcasts, Run Talk Essay, this week and wanted to share a little bit of that interview with you this week. Uh, and we chatted all about Prof Noakes's low-carb, high-fat diet and, and what are the risks associated with it and, and what are the advantages, according to, to the good professor. But one of the questions I asked him had to do with professional cycling and if he thought that guys who are cycling at the top, top level of the sport could perform as well as they are today on his diet. And, and this is the question and this is what the prof had to say. Also looking at, at sort of top, really top level athletes, guys who are professional and not just in running. I mean, if you look across all sporting codes, cycling and that sort of thing, they're obviously putting in massive, massive amounts of, of volume. The intensity is just way higher than the average athlete. Take a guy like, let's use Chris Froome as an example yes. on, on the cycling yes. example. 
can the volumes and the intensity that he's putting out and, and, and needs to sustain, can he do and, and can he sustain it on the high-fat, low-carb diet? Well, what's really interesting is that in the 80s, uh, I've got a slide of what the Tour de France cyclists were eating and how many calories from carbohydrates they had to eat. And it fills a table with all these high-carbohydrate foods. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Because, I mean, the volumes of food that these guys have to consume, yeah. if they're not eating carbs, I mean, how can they get that, that sort of, okay. that, that, or replenish their needs, essentially? Okay, so now that was what was standard in the 1980s. It would, all the carbs would fill a table of food. They don't eat like that anymore. And they now, for example, I know on the rest day in the Tour de France, they don't eat carbohydrates. Now, that's exactly the contrary to what we used to say. On the rest day, you've got to fill your carbs up and you've got to fill your muscles with carbs. And what they've discovered is that they eat carbs on the rest day, they just put in weight and they can't afford to. So they don't eat carb. They don't carbo-load anymore for races, but they do eat quite a lot of carbohydrates still during the races. That's all they do. So they've gone back to the traditional foods, eating highly nutrient-dense foods with some carbohydrate, but they continue to eat carbohydrates during the races. But there is a, there's a sea change in their nutrition, and it's moved away from everything focused on carbohydrates. Now, there is still carbohydrate present in the diet, but it's not to the same extent. My point is that you actually, even if you're doing a five-hour race in the Tour de France, you only need 200 grams of carbohydrate to cover your needs during the race. What happens if you eat 400 grams of carbohydrate in, a, let's say, your Tour de France cyclist? What happens is you burn 200 during the race, and you burn the other 200 during the rest of the day. So the 200 during the rest of the day, you could have burned fat anyway. People don't understand that. The carbohydrates you take in, you burn not just during the exercise, you also burn during the rest of the day. And as you minimize your carbohydrate intake, you burn more proportionally of that carbohydrate during exercise and less proportionately during the rest of the day. So in a sense, you conserve your carbohydrates for the race when you eat less carbohydrates. And so you're getting it to where you want it. You want it when you're exercising. You don't want to burn carbohydrates the rest of the day. And so that's one of the effects of the high carb, of the low carbohydrate diet that perhaps people don't understand. Now we're not saying that if you're an elite athlete, you cut carbohydrates completely. No, you. But I just don't think you ever need more than 200 grams. That 200 grams of carbohydrate is really, is little. It's like a couple of apples and a banana and a few slices of bread, and that will give you 200 grams of carbohydrate. The rest of that interview was absolutely fascinating. If you are interested in it, what I would suggest is head over to runtalksa.co.za slash 12. The whole interview is there. It's about 45 minutes long, uh, and it was just really intriguing to get Professor Tim Noakes' take on that low-carb, high-fat diet. And I don't know. I'm still out as, as far as my opinion on it goes. I'm not 100% convinced yet, uh, but there's still lots of reading and lots of research to be done, I think, from my part. But uh, it is definitely an interesting listen. And I asked him some tough questions, too. He wrote uh, in his book, The Law of Running, many, many years ago that carbohydrates were the way to go. He subsequently done a U-turn on that and, and said, tear that chapter out of the book. He was wrong. This is the way to go. And I asked him, what if he's wrong again? Uh, and he answered that question pretty well, I think. We also chatted about the sports supplement industry, and I asked him what his take is on the sports supplement industry. I was shocked at his answer. You might be too. All of that is on episode 12 of Run Talk SA. Head over to the website, have a listen to it, and I'd love to know your thoughts. Pop me an email, podcast at cycletalksa.co.za.
Cycle Talk SA this week. Uh, I've been following on the social media networks. Uh, Gavin Daisel for a long, long time, former colleague of mine. I used to work with him uh, for many years, and I'm so chuffed uh, that he's made the decision to to go and ride the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge this year as part of a greater goal to turn things around health-wise. Gav, welcome onto the show this week. Thanks for your time, bud. No, lucky. Thanks, dude. Gav, tell me, what brought this on? Um, pretty much, you know what? I, I decided at the beginning of the year, I weighed myself in at 120 kilograms. And that's pretty much one of my highest weights I've ever been. I mean, 10 years ago, I weighed 74 kilograms. And since then, it's ever just, you know, escalated because of, you know, work, you know, you're busy, you don't have time. And I just decided, you know what, now's the time. I've got to drop that weight. I've got to lose it. And what better way to do it than to actually put a challenge out to myself than to actually finish the uh, Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge because last year I actually did the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge, but I only did the first 50 Ks. And after the first 50 Ks, I did not chickened out, but I looked at it and I thought to myself, you know what, there's another 50 odd that comes after this and I don't think I'll finish it. So I sort of... Uh, didn't finish the race. So I decided, you know what, this year is my year. I'm going to get that goal. I'm going to do the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge. You know what, huge respect, Gav. I mean, it takes it takes serious balls to 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 admit that, that you, you, you quit on it, but you're back for, for round two, and I love that. I think what you're doing is amazing. And I also think what you're doing, sort of, you're doing it in the public eye, which doesn't make it easy. Uh, I mean, you've put it out there on radio, on, on the Breakfast Express on 94.7, that you, you are going to yeah. hit the road. I mean, that puts a fair amount of pressure on you, doesn't it? Um, it puts a hell of a lot of pressure on me because now the problem is there's no chickening out or anything of the sort because uh, if, if if you were just doing it on your own, you know, and you've got a personal goal, it's 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 kind of like, you know, like, yeah, okay, cool, I'll go train this week, I'll go train today or tomorrow. Now there's there's I've got a training schedule in place and I, and because like you say it's on air uh, we we're recording the weekly videos of my progress I'm doing road rides I'm doing uh, uh, weekly updates on air as well so you know if if there's no improvements and I'm I'm the one that's going to look like a total idiot at the end of this so like you say there is quite a fair amount of pressure on me uh, that I, I need to make this work but the best of all is. It's going to benefit me in the long run. Yeah. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to uh, be a fitter. I'm going to be a happier me. But it's also quite lucky to have that accountability, hey, that, that it's a case of yeah. you, you checking in with the rest of the team. And, and if you've done nothing this week, you're going to go, uh, I've done nothing this week. And you're going to, like you said, you're going to look like an idiot. And that's not what you want. Exactly that. I mean, the last thing I want to do is look like the guy that quits on everything. You know, like, I, I want to make this work. Uh, also, the guys, the, the awesome thing about that is that the team here at 94.7 itself and the Breakfast Express are extremely supportive of this. I mean, they're all like rooting for me to actually go for this. Uh, I thought in the beginning that they would be like, ah, oh, yeah, there's no way you're going to finish it. There's no way. But everybody has immediately like come on board like, dude, Vin, this is going to be awesome. You're going to finish it. You train hard. You're going to work. The other day uh, with the Breakfast Express's uh, birthday, we had some cake outside and obviously on the eating plan that I'm on, I, I'm a sweet, I have a sweet tooth of note and I'm not eating any sweets or chocolates or, or anything of the sort. And everybody was just like, wow, this cake is awesome. And I, I sort of like stole a piece on the side and I was just going to have a small piece, just a small piece. And the team actually stopped me. They actually physically stopped me from having the cake. They were like, dude, you're working so hard at this. Don't mess it up with a slice of cake. 
you know, you're gonna, you're just gonna put yourself back a couple of days, and you don't want to do that. So you know what? The support that I'm getting from everybody here at at 94.7 and the Breakfast Express, and from the guys at Virgin Active, and and everybody are just like, it really, really is inspiring for me that everybody actually cares that I get this right and I actually do this. Gav, let's talk about in particular one member of that team. I mean, Sam Cowan over the last few years has lost an incredible amount of weight. She's ridden the last two 94.7 cycle challenges and and yep. just health and fitness wise, I mean, if you said to me three, four years ago, this is where Sam would be today, I would have said, listen, you're smoking your socks, but she's really turned things around. She's looking amazing. How much has, has that inspired you to, to do it? Dude, you know what the thing is? I mean, I looked at, she actually sent us a photo from a year ago uh, when when somebody took a photo of her, of her birthday a year ago. And now her birthday's coming up uh, in a couple of days. And the change just from a year ago, I looked at that photo and I, we looked at her and we were like, this is impossible that this photo was from a year ago. And she was like, that was, on, that was a couple of days before my birthday last year. It is exactly, exactly a year you know, ago that she weighed that. And I mean, she's dropped so many kilos just in that year from this hard work. And I mean, I look at that and I'm like, wow, uh, no disrespect to Sam. She's, she's, she's a lot older than me. And I'm like, you know, if somebody that's older than me can have that kind of, uh, it's a, tra- it's a transformation yeah, the, is the word, I think. It, it, exactly. If she can transfer, transform herself from what she was a year ago to now, and I mean, even before that, she was even totally even more different. And I mean, I'm saying this with all the respect and like everything in the world, because it, it truly is amazing what she has done. And I look at that and I'm like, you know what? If if Sam can do it, I can do it too. I can really push myself. And it is going to be tough because, I mean, Sam's walked in in the mornings and the kind of stuff she's been eating. And we all look at her and like, yeah, all right. Oh, geez, you're eating lettuce leaves kind of a thing. <laughs> and we all like rip off about it. But you look at the reward from it and it's like, wow, you know what? Okay, it's worth it. Shut our mouth. Move on, you know? And, and you know, it, it you, really Gav, if I can throw my five cents in, in there too, you, you're going to find as well, because I mean, I've also had a, a very similar sort of journey. You're going to find that when you get used to, I mean, you, you, you take the mickey out of eating lettuce leaves. I mean, trust me, I don't like lettuce at the best of times, but you, you get into that frame of mind of, of eating healthily and, and you go through a phase, maybe a month or two where you are eating really well and then all of a sudden you, you, you fall off the wagon and you have a couple of bad meals and you go, you know what, this is actually really horrible and it makes you feel crap. It's it's just, it's amazing that once you get onto that thing, how much easier it is to stay on. So I'm really chuffed that you are doing it. Gavin, you, you talk about Sam being an, an, an inspiration to you. You're going to be an inspiration to, to thousands of people who listen to you guys every morning on Highfelt Stereo. How much, like, I mean, you, you, you probably haven't given it much thought uh, how much you're inspiring other people to, to maybe ride this year. You know what the funny thing is? I actually, I put it out on Twitter the other day. I was just saying, you know, I'm getting ready to ride. You know, it's going to be a tough race. And I got such a great response from people saying, wow, dude, we saw photos of you the other day. We never thought that you would, you know, be able to do this, you know, to like actually have the guts to like go on air and say that you do it. You know what? You've encouraged me to like also start training for the Momentum 94.7 as well now. And I've gotten quite a few of those and quite a few people have emailed me and sent me Facebook messages saying, dude, well done. Thank you for taking this initiative. It's actually made me look at my life and how I'm living and how I'm eating. And I know it's not, not the right thing to do. And I'm also changing. Thank you for that. So 
it is quite it is quite amazing to see that just my journey to make me a, a healthier, happier person is inspiring other people to do the same and to even like ride the momentum 94.7. I mean, to ride 100 k's on a bike. I mean, dude, nobody wants to go and do that for fun. You'll be surprised I mean, how many people want to do that for fun. Oh, hell no. 100 k's on a bicycle. I did a spinning class the other day. I did 45 minutes in the class and I was like, what have I got myself into? But then again, I look at the rewards and I'm like, you know what? It's all worth it in the end. That That's the thing. It's a constant, it's a constant battle. But what I'm trying to do is like everybody that messages me on Twitter and on Facebook, I reply to every single person and it's just amazing that they've got such faith in me and like they're supporting me through this that they are actually changing and becoming healthier and happier themselves. That's very cool. And and, and Gav, I mean, you joke that it's really hard. You know what? It does get easier. And one of the things that, one of the challenges that you face, and, and I'm mentioning this because I know it from experience as well, is a lot of people think that because you're on, on the breakfast show on a radio station, you start work at six, you finish at nine, gee, you, you work three hours a day, that's it, you've got tons of time to train. But truthfully, that's not how it is. I mean, you guys put lots of work in before the show, tons of work afterwards. You do lots of gigs as well uh, in clubs and that sort of thing. So your hours are really erratic. How have you managed to, to sort of fit the training into to, to your, your hectically busy lifestyle well well pretty much i mean like you say there uh everybody thinks you know on the breakfast show everybody leaves nine o'clock comes everybody's out of there now what's wrong with you uh, man? that you work is hard totally today. not the case <laughs> is, yeah no totally nine o'clock we get to work at six <laughs> we get nine it's a piece of cake exactly i mean generally we yeah I, I mean i'm at work at five in the morning uh, i only leave the radio station at about two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon uh then generally my my day would be going home, doing the Vin Mix or the Vintage Mix or Mixes for 94 Hits Row or mixing uh, a new Ministry of Sound CD that I'm releasing or uh, busy working on some new remixes that I'm doing uh, or my own my, my own tracks as well. So I, I've pretty much got a full day from 5 in the morning up until about 7, 8 o'clock at night. And what I've actually had to do is I've actually scheduled in time in my diary where I actually physically book myself off for an hour where I'm like, okay, you know what? Today between one and two, it's booked. I don't care. One o'clock, if I've, if I've finished all my I know I'm going to be done by 12 o'clock. Between one o'clock and two o'clock, I've got booked. I can get to the gym, work out, cool, go, to, go home, do some mixes, and so forth. And like when spinning classes, okay, book my spinning classes for the week. Okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, done. Booked. I know I book it in my diary, and then I have to do it. You can't back out of it. Uh, I, I dig that, Gav. So let me just recap the things that I've gotten out of chatting you, to you today. And, and I wanted to chat to you because you're an out-and-out out newbie. You're just getting going. But the first thing is is accountability. Is tell people what you're doing because it's just so much more difficult to back out. Second of all, have a goal. I mean, you've set the goal as the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge. It just makes it so much easier That's working it. towards something as opposed to just you want to get fit. Like choose exactly. a race and, and go and do it. The third one is schedule, is is put time aside for you. I mean, our lifestyles aren't getting quieter. They, they're really busy. And in order to make this thing work is you have to set time aside for you, uh, whatever it is. If it's a, a quiet time, but for you, it's a case of scheduling in your diary every week. These are your training sessions, and it's a non-negotiable. 
exactly that. And then the fourth one is, is probably the, the eating side of it, is, is you can't out-train a bad diet. I mean, you've got to really watch what you eat, especially if losing weight is your goal. Uh, Gav, I think what you're doing is, is awesome. Uh, I, I commend you for setting the goal and doing it, and I look forward to seeing you on race day as well. If people want to follow your journey and they want to be in touch on, on the social networks, how can they get hold of you? Awesome. Well, uh, if you want to follow what's happening, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Vin Daisel, uh, or check out my Facebook page. It's Vin Daisel SA. Uh, and then on Twitter, the hashtag is hashtag Mission Vin Possible. And then, of course, you can also go to uh, 94.7's website and just search under video content and all of the videos that we will be doing will be under there as well, as well as on uh, Momentum's uh, Facebook page as well. Gav, what I'll do is I'll link all of those links from the show notes to this this page. So cycletalksa.co.za forward slash four. Uh, that's the episode that you're on. And then I will uh, have all the links so people can just go straight to our website and link to, to your Twitter profile, to the website, to check all those videos out and that as well. Gav, it's been amazing chatting. Congratulations once again. I look forward to sharing that road with you uh, come Cycle Challenge Sunday. And yeah, I look forward to, to sort of celebrating your success at the finish line. Yeah, bring it. Let's do it. Wow, what what an amazing show is all I can say. It's uh, phenomenal. Two great guests. I think it's inspirational, this show. Probably more inspirational than one I've done yet. To Lutando and Gavin, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and sharing your journey with us here on Cycle Talk SA. As I mentioned as well, if you'd like to be in touch, podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. I'd love your feedback on the show. Please do pop me an email. Or if you'd like, you can tweet us at Cycle Talk SA or just uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cycle Talk SA. If you enjoyed the show and if you enjoy the podcast, I'd appreciate it hugely if you wouldn't mind sharing the link uh, with your cycling buddies or colleagues that you know cycle uh, that they might find some value in the show as well. What we've also done is if you head over to cycletalksa.co.za forward slash share uh, is I've pre-populated a couple of tweets that all you need to do is just click on the link and it'll send a tweet from your account just sharing the love for the show and helping us spread the word of Lutandu's unbelievable journey and what he's achieved in South African cycling. So until next week, I look forward to putting the next episode of Cycle Talk SA together for you. Have yourself a brilliant one. Train safe, be safe on the roads, and we'll chat soon. Cheers. 